We just got back from talking to people we don't know about abortion in Cincinnati, Ohio, and now we're debriefing. Join us. We are created equal, and this is The Debrief. Hey, y'all. I'm Lexi. And I'm Seth Dreyer, and we're excited to have a conversation today about abortion and talking to fathers who had abortions. And we have with us today Emma. She's a summer intern with us this summer. Um, she's awesome. She's also a sister to staff member Esther, which is really cool. Thank you, Emma, for coming on. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks. So we were at, in Cincinnati at the Fountain Square and talking to people about abortion earlier. We were at an abortion facility. So Emma, please let us know what was the outreach like and what was the conversation like that you were having with the uh, post-abortive father? So it was a windy, rainy day, um, but the outreach actually went really well. And the conversation that stood out specifically was a conversation I had with a post-abortive father. He passed by me earlier, but then he came back looking for me and wanted to talk, saying he didn't really know where he stood on abortion. And as our conversation progressed, he actually changed his mind, agreed that it was wrong, and started to confront the reality of what what he did in his past. So Emma, just to clarify, you're in Fountain Square, Cincinnati. What are you, I mean, many of our listeners already know this, but what were you doing? Where were you standing? What, what did you have with you when he walked by? So we were doing street outreach. So we had our sign set up with abortion victim photography. Um, we had our literature and we were passing it out, asking people what they thought about abortion, just engaging the culture and having people really think about what abortion is. Yeah, awesome. And so um, when you're in that conversation with him, he opened up to you saying that he had an abortion in his past. Mm -hmm. How do you get to that point? I'm sure people who are listening right now are wondering, why would somebody tell you that? If you're standing out um, against abortion, showing people the gruesome reality of abortion, why would somebody who had an abortion tell you that? So what did you say? What what were y'all talking about before he felt that he could open up to you about that? Yeah, um, seeing the abortion victim images are very, it's a very vulnerable atmosphere, I think, for people. And it kind of opens up for really vulnerable conversations. And so we were just kind of talking about abortion. He said he didn't really know where he stood on it. And I think as we continue to talk and I continue to point to the photos and he was really looking at all the fingers and the toes and all the humanness of these photos, I think that really opened him up to tell me um, his story and for us to continue our conversation. Yeah. And so what were like you saying before that? Like what were y'all discussing? We were just discussing what abortion is. We, I was showing him the photos saying that it, it, it is truly the dismemberment of a human being. It's not just some procedure and um, I'm not exactly sure all the details of our conversation, but I know that we just kind of run, ran through the basics of it. And I think that that was one of the first times he's ever thought about it. Yeah, it's it's hard to also remember a lot of details of conversations, especially whenever you're out in the pouring down rain and having yeah. <laughs> conversations all day. So I understand for sure. Um, and so once you once you told him and what or once he told you that he's had an abortion, you're showing him continuing to talk about the victim images. How did you feel in that moment? It's always very shocking because we talk about abortion a lot when, especially during this internship and to really meet someone who has physically gone through that. It's very intimidating. It's also very sad, but, um, but I just was able to just try to empathize with him and, and just try to relate to him on how hard that must be and facing the reality for the first time and, I can't even imagine the grief that he was going through. And so just being able to be there for him and um, yeah, that's how, that's how it felt. Yeah. 
Well, you said it's like a situation of vulnerability. So I'm just yeah. curious, Emma, um, what's going through your mind is you're, and you've already said, but you're standing by this picture of what he did. Mm-hmm. And this man tells you, I did that. How does that feel for someone who's listening? Like, I know you kind of explained how you empathize with him, but how did you work through in the moment trying to prepare your thoughts, knowing that you're showing this man the ugly face of what happened in his past? How does that feel as someone standing out there on the street? It's very interesting. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's it's almost like time stops and you're just looking at someone who realizes that they've been a part of the murder of their child. It's unlike anything. And I, I mean, I have sin in my life. And when I really am confronted by the reality of what that is, it is terrible and it is so discouraging. But to be able to be there and try to, 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 be, stand with them and say what you did was was terrible, but that's not the end. I think it's beautiful, and that's why I'm excited to play this audio clip. I know that Fountain Square is a very busy place, right? So yes. you had trucks driving by and a lot of noise, <laughs> so it's going to be hard for people listening to try to dial and really understand your words. But I want to hear what you said to him because I think we're getting to the point that's so important. We know that many women, many men have chosen abortion in America, and we meet them every day. You're meeting them during this internship. The question is, what do we do when someone's at that, that place of vulnerability? Is there any hope we can give to them? And so I want to hear what you did in that conversation. I'm so sorry. Do you think about it a lot? No, not really. That's so hard. I'm starting to think about it now. Yeah, because you could have had a son or daughter, and, and that's what happened to them. And I'm so sorry to hear that. That's really hard. I want you to know that, I don't know if you, if you believe in God or Jesus or any of that, but um, I genuinely believe that there is forgiveness in Jesus and that that it, that is murder, that is terrible, but that you're not, there's, there is hope. There is hope in Jesus that he he died so that we don't have to live with all the horrible things we've done and been a part of. Okay, so I, I think that, like I said, the audio is kind of challenging there, but Emma, what I heard was, you asked him, do you think about it a lot? And what did he say to you? Um, he said that he hasn't really before, but he's starting to now that he's confronting the reality of it. Okay, so I'm back to like what's going through your heart and mind as you mm-hmm. see this guy saying, I'm thinking about it now, looking at this. And your words to him, if I remember correctly, you said, it is murder. But then you turned a corner, turning the corner to sharing with him the very good news with the bad news. So what was that good news you were sharing with him? I was sharing that when even though we're faced with the reality of, of this world and the sin that we commit, the horrible things we do, that, that that's not where it ends. That's not where it stops. We're not, we're not stuck in that. We don't have to be. But that in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross by taking on all of that sin, we get to walk in forgiveness. And it's, it's a free gift. It's not what we do, but it's, it's Jesus alone. And that's something so hopeful and freeing. And I wanted to communicate that to him. Amen. And you did that really well. And I also really liked how you said to him, yes, you could have had a son or daughter, because I think that's the reason why so many people who are post-abortive don't think about it. It's because they don't realize Mm -hmm. they've lost a son or daughter. Um, People who have siblings that have lost um, their other siblings in abortion, telling them they've lost a son or daughter is really powerful. And another thing that was encouraging for me is that I can't physically do anything to help him. I can't do anything to ease his pain, but I know someone who does, and I get to communicate that to him. It's something that's so cool and powerful about this. It really is. And it's such a privilege we have. And Emma, what you were saying, like, you have sinned too. You've not had an abortion, but you see this man and you see yourself as equally distanced from God apart from the grace of 
God uh, through Christ's work on the cross. And that's why I think it's so important for people who are listening and thinking about doing pro-life outreach. This is a way to save babies, but it's also a way to help many, many mothers and fathers who are carrying this pain. And imagine any of us, like we're walking around downtown Cincinnati. Imagine we had an abortion in our past. Our whole culture says, celebrate it, enjoy it, be happy. Mm -hmm. And you feel terrible. So you meet someone like you who can show you the ugly face of what you did, but also bring the good news. There's nothing freeing like that. And I could even hear the sincerity in your voice. Like I could tell like you were brokenhearted about his, about his pain, um, about the abortion, obviously the loss of the child, but also for him. And so people who just look at us and think that, oh, we're so mean being out there when we're actually trying to be compassionate and we love the people who've had abortions and want the best for them. You can really tell by the way you're talking to him. And I was actually standing on the other side of the street watching that conversation. And it was really amazing because I could just tell by y'all's body language and like how y'all were talking to each other that it was going to be an amazing conversation. <laughs> um, and I'm really happy that I came back and talked to you. And then I have one more hard question for you. Oh, I don't think it's really that hard, but I think some people may say, well, having the baby sign out there, having him look at it and say, I'm, feel, I'm thinking about it now, that's hard for him, right? Mm -hmm. But do you think you would have met this man had you not been standing there doing this kind of outreach? I don't think so. And I don't think he would have ever really been able to see what happened to his baby. Those pictures, as gruesome as they are, they humanize that baby. So he's able to realize what he did was murder his child. But then we are able to also communicate to him that there is hope. That's what you did. But now you get to one, never do it again. And two, you are able to have freedom and help others. So I think that's what's so powerful about this. That's really well said. And so I think that what well, I'm interested now, just kind of going deeper into things. So Emma, what questions looking back over the conversation, thinking through this issue more broadly, what questions do you have? Yeah, I, some, something that's hard is how to initially respond when someone communicates something so vulnerable and painful Sometimes all I know, all I can say is, I'm so sorry, but I was wondering if there's more that I could say. Well, I think one question that we like to ask a lot is asking, how do you feel today? And this is, I think, what you asked the man, right? Um, as you were speaking with him, do you think about it a lot? How do you feel? Because people sometimes, they're, again, you're, you're living in a culture where you're told every day by all of the cultural messages, abortion is good. But you know by your story, it's not good. It doesn't feel good to you. So merely asking them, how do you feel as an entry point, I think gives them kind of license to express their feelings. And some of them might say, I'm sure you've met some before, Emma. No big deal. Abortion yep. didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. We've met those people. But a lot of them will say, it feels terrible. I remember one person told me it feels like hell every day I wake up with mm -hmm. this. And so you can then walk through that with them by that question. Lexi, what about you? Yeah, that's always what I ask right immediately after they open up to me that they've had an abortion. And I think um, that can open the conversation and just letting them know that they're not alone in that because I think people can feel so isolated that they're the only ones who regret their abortion. So let them know, mm -hmm. hey, well, I'm... I know that that is super hard for you right now and so many other people are facing that and that is why I'm out here. That's why we're standing up um, to protect the preborn and also to share the hope with you. And then that gives you a way to go in with yep. the gospel, share the hope that they have. So the conversation doesn't have to be depressing. If there was no gospel, if there was no forgiveness, that would be the most depressing conversation yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. So that's really awesome. And then go in with the gospel. Yeah. No, that, thank you. Yeah. And another question I was thinking of is um, people usually use the argument that abortion is a women's issue, that that's men shouldn't have a say. But um, so I wanted to ask you guys, why do you think men are marginalized in the abortion conversation and what we should do to change that? 
Well, I think a lot of it goes back to um, there's a lot of ways to respond to that. I think the first issue is just we have this ignorance, this shocking ignorance of people not understanding what abortion is, what it does to babies, but even how babies get here. There's no question that women are the ones who carry babies, but women don't create babies on their own. We understand how reproduction happens, procreation, what it means. There's a man involved, right? And so I think it's interesting to me, first of all, that we suddenly have this kind of biological ignorance that men are involved. So even before you get to the whole abortion rhetoric part of it, why are we so ignorant of mere biology? But you know, all of our conversations reveal that, right? This utter ignorance. So um, dealing with ignorance is hard. We have to fight ignorance with knowledge, with truth, right? I think it might be helpful just reminding people, you know, if a mother's pregnant, there was a second person involved who was a father. Where is he? What is his story? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. I think that we always need to remember that there are two people in in the situation and also telling stories, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Talking to people about your experience um, and conversations that you've had. Now you've had this conversation with this person. You can go the next time somebody comes up to you and says that abortion doesn't impact anybody or it's only a woman's problem. You can share that story with them, you know, and share this also hurts men as well Mm -hmm. as women. And talking about the marginalization, I'm curious about, of course, our listeners were talking about a downtown outreach, right? But you have both spent a lot of time outside abortion facilities, right? And so we know that women are going in there. Many of them are having abortions because they don't feel supported. I think there's an interesting connection here, though, because when you write men out of the story, they don't feel like they have the license to support you and encourage you to, to go through the pregnancy. And so this is a vicious cycle. So I think back to the heart of your question, Emma, why are men so marginalized? I think the abortion industry has invested a lot of effort making this a pro-women's movement, which is awkward today. Now they say it's not about women, it's about people with uteruses. It's hard for them to say. It's a pro-women's movement now. But they made the uh, tactical move earlier to write men out of the equation. And a lot of men have said, okay, fine, I'm not involved, back off the corner. But then, like this man you met, then they have these grievous stories later on. So how do we respond? What, What ideas do you both have for how do we get men back? And Lexi, I think it's important, telling stories is super important the story you just had, telling that story. What are other ways we can remind men you have a role to play, not only when it's too late, like with this man, but right now, today, if your wife is carrying or someone's carrying a child? I think that it's really clear when you look at um, research that men play a significant role in the lives of their families and that men, men have a significant impact and they need to be there for their families. Often we're sidewalk counseling we will tell fathers, like, this is your responsibility to protect your girlfriend, your wife, whoever it is, and to protect that child, that that is a God-given responsibility, and they need to take hold of that. And as equally heavy of the responsibility is, it, it's also equally heavy the impact abortion has on men. I think we shouldn't disregard the impact it has. Yeah, and I would use the word, I don't know a better word to describe other than empowering. I know we hear that word all the time, but I think we need to kind of empower men. I don't know, it sounds kind of cringy. I'm sorry, I don't know another way to say it. (laughs) But empower men to make decisions and to um, choose to do whatever they can to stop people from having abortions. Their girlfriend, their wife, their sister, um, and just get them off the bench. A lot of people are on the bench. They need to get up, get move in action and everything like that. Um, and so especially outside of abortion facilities, the men that we see out there who realize their responsibility, they're going to do whatever it takes to get their girlfriend, their wife out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the men who we talk to and say, hey, it's not my choice. It's all her. Um, actually, this, this day, today, there was a woman who... Um, 
or went inside and then the boyfriend was out saying, or the husband said, oh, that's my wife. It's her choice. It's her choice. Well, you need to realize you're responsible for that child just as much as she is. That's exactly right. I think it's well said. And I think that what we have to remember, you know, we talk a lot about when does life begin and the role of men and women in this debate. There's another, the issue we're all getting to is this whole topic of parenting, parenthood. What does mm-hmm. that mean? So a man is not only a husband or whatever um, to the woman, his relationship to her, he is a father. And that implies certain things. Mothers and fathers have roles. We, I think, all recognize that created equal, that we are all made equally. We, rec- we get that. But we also have roles that come along. If you're a father or mother, you are to protect that child. And so no matter what someone tells you, what you're saying, Lexi, as a man whose wife goes into the abortion facility, he still has a role to play. And this man you met, unfortunately, Emma, it's in the past. We don't know what his, I don't know what his decision was in this, whether he was helping to have the abortion or not. But when that, when you are, when your role is taken away from you or when you don't fulfill it, that leaves grievous scars on you. We've all met those men. I'm meeting a man who told me that he grieved the abortion because the girlfriend didn't give him any choice in, in the matter. She told him after the fact, and he said to me, I know this is the one person I was supposed to protect, and I couldn't protect him. And that just broke my heart, looking at this man who wanted to be a protector like he's supposed to be, and it was taken away from him. So these are all important ideas, I think, and just being willing to remind people that if you're a father, if you're a mother, that brings certain responsibilities and privileges to you that you need to fulfill. So a question I would have also is what resources can we point post-abortive fathers to? Because, I mean, we focus a lot on post-abortive women and women in general in this debate and in this issue. But what do we have for fathers specifically who are struggling? That's a great point. I know we carry like when you've been sidewalk counseling. So that's when you're outside the abortion facility. We have literature for men we meet. But I love to refer men when I've met them to Deeper Still. And it's GoDeeperStill.org, GoDeeperStill.org. Deeper Still is an organization that has retreats. So people who've had abortions can go on these weekend retreats and they go and they have spiritual training. It's not just get over your abortion. It's recognize this is sin, but it's not so great a sin that God's grace is not greater. And so they can understand the gospel. They name their child. They grieve. They do what they need to do to heal within a Christian community. That I think is super important. So I'd encourage anyone to refer people to deeperstill.org, godeeperstill.org to find helpful healing and community. Yeah, no, that's really good. And just handing out, we have different literature and I think you can find if you're, if you're going to do outreach or if you are sidewalk counseling, um, look up some different pieces of literature you can hand out to the men as well. Well, Emma, anything else from this conversation, kind of last thoughts you had you wanted to express about what happened or the outreach? Um, It was just an honor to talk to him because I know God ordains every conversation and the fact that I was, God ordained for us to talk and just to see his humility and him just looking at these pictures for the first time realizing what he did but to be side by side with the gospel and to know that that's not where it stops amen yeah and you did a very very good job emma i know every single (laughs) person that comes on here it's i just compliment them because y'all do so well um better than i could do sometimes so thank you yeah Really good conversation. It's fantastic. And so everyone who's listening, you know the drill. You've heard the story today, but so now please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. You can also find us on our social media, or you can just go to createdequal.org. Thank you for joining us. We are Created Equal, and this has been The Debrief. The Debrief.